question. <laughs> oh, yeah, hit me. Would you purchase a gym, an existing gym? A CrossFit? Yes. I don't, that's a weird question because it's a CrossFit podcast, but I'll, I'll humor you. Yes, Eat. a CrossFit gym. You never know. I mean, there are different types of gyms out there. I don't think we live in a bubble. Would I purchase a CrossFit gym? Short answer is yes, but it would be followed with the caveat of it would have to be the right price. Uh, okay, so that's one factor. Um, well, I okay. mean, assuming the other factors are, hey, it's where I want to live, it's, you know, driving distance, I like it, etc. Assuming all of those are check, 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 you have probably the box that I go to or coach at. Yeah. Now. Yeah. Assume, they, assume all the geographic things. Yeah. Right. Like it's close enough. Uh, like all that stuff. Uh, but I'm just talking about, because the reason I, I've had about five people reach out this week with questions about buying a gym. Well, as you know, and I'm sure we'll get to this, I've sold a few gyms and I get probably five questions a week for the last five years about it. Ever since, you know, I've gone on a handful of podcasts. It's definitely a topic we need to discuss, which we're doing. And it's also, it's, it's a growing phenomenon in the CrossFit world. Now, full disclosure, I, I purchased one in 2000 and God, what year is it? 2018. And we ended up having to shut it down because of something the landlord did. Who, the landlord ended up suing me and then we went to trial and we actually won. But um, so I've been through that process and then had to shut it down when I didn't want to. But so, yeah, I'm always curious because I don't think, and I think we did our due diligence, but there are some things that I, I think you don't know and that you don't know um, that may fall outside more than any abstract. But I, there's way too many people in my experience that are just not doing their due diligence on the numbers. And I, and my argument is, this is basically fact. People are passionate about CrossFit, so they become illogical about business when it when CrossFit is involved. They will do things that in any other world, if you were, if I was to tell you like this is the investment, you would look at me like I had three heads, and you would say that's the dumbest thing ever. I don't know that that's unique to CrossFit so much as it's it's very common in small business ownership. When someone owns a small business, they are very. They take it very personally. It's their baby. Having, you know, having been involved in gym sales, but other small business sales as well, people often value their business at an extreme price. And then whoever is purchasing it does not do doesn't doesn't put the business through the ringer from an evaluation standpoint, understanding like, what are the actual numbers? What is this actually worth? All of that stuff. Because yeah, there is a, there's a massive disconnect because where I think it's worth this much and this is what it is. And we don't have to discuss that. I think everybody understands that it, it, it's just because you have this, because you purchased all this equipment doesn't mean that's what it's worth. Well, all of that, and we'll definitely dive into that. And then like you've said, the purchaser is often someone I mean, if I'm buying a CrossFit gym, but then it's, the implication is I'm excited, you know, I'm probably like newer into CrossFit, really excited to own the gym, really excited to have my first business. So you get this price. And even though it's not real, meaning it's, it's inflated, 
like Fern is saying, if you don't do your due diligence, you often get, you know, suckered into paying that price just because you're so excited, not realizing A, the business isn't worth this. And then B, something hopefully we dive into is you can just open your own. And typically the price wouldn't be that different. It, yeah. I mean, I'll tell a quick story and I don't want to get too detailed into it because people that listen may know some of these people, but you know, when I relocated to Florida, uh, one of the local boxes asked me to meet with them. And I, you know, had been around to a few boxes and one of them sat me down. They took me out to lunch. They were these two very, they were very wealthy, smart people that somehow got involved in owning a gym. And they said, Hey, we would love for you to own part of this gym. And I don't remember the exact numbers, but it was like 250, 250,000 for a third, something along those lines. And I was like, I'm talking to really smart people and most likely thinking they're much smarter than me because when you're a fitness coach, hey, you're a dumb fitness coach, right? That's what the world thinks. Correct. So not taking into account, I've sold three gyms at this point. I've done some things. And I go, this so is like- the migration is that this is worth three quarters of a million dollars. We're something like that. And I want to say they might have even said for 25%. So somewhere between, you know, 750 and a million. And I go, listen, guys, I will open up next to you for $60,000 and steal all of your members because I'm so much better than you. And that was the end of that conversation. I never heard from them again. That, and the, my question is always, where did that number come from? Yeah, I mean, they just had a crazy number. And they, the thing is, people don't understand the CrossFit world. It's like, I literally could have opened up next to them. And, and granted, they were in a nice location. And, you know, so it would have probably been very expensive rent for me. There may have been a non-compete in this location. It wasn't like I was actually going to do it. And I was still interested in becoming a part owner at the time, but it was like, your point was your number is ridiculous and you don't understand this, this niche gym space that I really understand. I've heard similar stories with just ridiculous numbers when this it's worth 300 K. I'm like, you have a gross 300 K ever yeah. like, how worth 300 K. And, and, you know, so let, let's talk about some of those things. You know, when people put out these prices, one of the first questions a CPA is going to ask you is, are they on long-term memberships? Are, are contracts in place? Right, right, are contracts in place? And if they're not, they're going to be like, cool, all of these members can leave tomorrow. Yes. So at that point, there's, there's like two different discussions that happen. So if there is no contracts in place, really, if you're the purchaser, the only thing that you're really negotiating is purchase of assets. Yeah, which is equipment, which is a depreciating value. And most likely if you're buying a gym, the equipment's been around for, you know, three to 10 years. It's worth on the high end, 50% of what it was purchased for. That's, yeah, that's like you said, on the high end, most likely. I mean, and that's something an accountant should be able to show you. Hey, you bought the equipment on this date. We've depreciated. I don't know the, you know, different things depreciate at different rates, but, you know, this is what it's currently worth. That's... And ultimately, when I sold my second box to my partner, that's what was in the agreement. Hey, this business is going to be worth whatever the assets are worth at the time of sale. Yeah, because nothing else is guaranteed. Like the members can walk away. So you're purchasing, you're purchasing two things in that scenario. I'm purchasing assets and then I'm purchasing liability, really, because I'm purchasing rent 
right? Like that's in there. So I, I have built in expenses already. And not that you're not going to have expenses if you start your own business, but it's in there, right? So it's okay. So I'm purchasing that. And then the second thing is, okay, do they have, are there contracts in place? And then the second question is probably like, is the business profitable? Like that's the first, that's the second question. Are there contracts? Is the business profitable? And you could probably swap those two. Like, is it profitable? Are there contracts in place? And, and we're going to direct a lot of people to this episode in the future. So one thing I want to say, if you're listening at this point is if you're buying a gym, are you just trying to buy yourself? Are you just trying to buy yourself a job? A really think, low paid job in a lot of scenarios. Like, yeah, low pay, high stress, a lot of hours. Like there are other ways to make money than buying yourself a job. Now, if you're buying a gym because you want to be a business owner, potentially grow it and, and do these other things, great. But if you're buying a small CrossFit box and you're one of two coaches there, you're buying yourself a job. And this is an entirely separate question. So we, there's, there's some additional questions you have to ask, which is probably a whole nother episode. If this is a, if you're purchasing a second gym. In addition to the one you currently own? Correct. Right. That's a whole different topic. And there's a whole other set of filters questions that have to be asked in that scenario so let's just stick with i just my my owner approached me as an athlete about purchasing the gym right or and it can even be or you found one i mean there's there's yeah. websites and and social media things where you know you can find a gym in seattle that you know so yeah but point is it's your first box you don't own a box currently yeah what's the what's what are some of the Let's go with the hard stuff first. Like, what are some of the things that you want to know about the gym if you're going to purchase it? Like, what are the first, if I'm like, hey, I want you to buy this gym, what are you going to ask me for? I think, I think the two biggest numbers, I would, well, maybe three even. And, you know, and, and in fairness, I get this question all the time. How do I value the gym? And by the way, there is a difference between valuation and evaluation. I'm not entirely sure of the difference, but typically it's, Valuation is when you're trying to put a number on something, and that's usually what people are asking. Correct. And, and there, you know, so the, the few things, first of all, the one thing I always, always say is something is worth what someone is willing to pay for it. Correct. Which could be over or under what it's worth. Right. Now, what I would want to know is, hey, what's the gross profit of the gym over the last probably two or three years? Mm -hmm. What was the net profit? And what did the owner pay themselves? Those are probably the three biggest things because if you know that, you know a lot. Like for example, I didn't necessarily pay myself a lot when I owned my gyms, but a lot of my life expenses were covered because you know you own a gym, you own a small business, you can have some write-offs, you know, from things like gas mileage, yeah. to some, you know, fifty percent of what you eat out, all of those. If you're you know out with your members or coaches, etc. So oftentimes the net or the owner's numbers could be off and the gross and then the net and then their pay kind of tells the full story. Yeah. So there's probably some things you have to dig into and, and you can get a lot of this from, you should get multiple years of tax returns. You should get, if you can, uh, comparative balance sheets and, and P&Ls from the previous at least two years so you can look at them. and then. Look at what those numbers, because depending on how the owner pays themselves, their W-2 could say 12 grand, but they take home significantly more than that if, if they're 
depending on how they structure the business and how it's all lined up. So yeah, and some people, you know, it's funny. I'm sure you've heard this. People in their small business like, hey, it's a write-off. Buy it. It's a write-off. And I'm like, that's I don't think not you know how it means. Yeah, I don't think you know that. And you know, so some people. I've seen people trying to sell their gym and it looks like they don't make anything because they've written off everything. Like, Hey, the television I have and my car, and, you know, and my dog food, like, all right. Like I get you bring your dog to the gym every day, but their food is not a write off. Yeah. And you know? so you have to, you have to flesh out some of those things. Um, the other thing that I would put in there, and this has, actually has to go with a post that we had the other day is do they pay the staff? Right. Like what, like what is payroll? Because if there's no payroll involved and they're showing a profit, that profit is not accurate. Right. Meaning if everybody's working for free and that's not how you implant and that's not how you intend to run the business, there's going to be a significant disconnect there between what the PL looks like the day you take it over versus if I had everybody working on a barter system, you know, you could be, in the red immediately if that was the case yeah you know or you know and then let's flip it let's let's look at some things that could be potentially beneficial well this guy's giving out 20 free memberships to random people or everyone's at a discount and you got to come in and you know we can ultimately do another show on you bought the gym now what right don't charge all these people all of a sudden the full rate and lose them all but but those are important things to, to see is there opportunity to bring home a bigger net you know but also like Fern just said if you want to run this a little more polished and a little more professionally is it going to cost you more because now all of a sudden you're going to pay $15 a class mm -hmm. you know or is the owner paying all these coaches and this is going to be your full-time gig and you're going to take over some of those and save money mm -hmm. so all sorts of options there yeah the other thing I'd probably look at is monthly revenue and then revenue streams like how much revenue comes in from different things the um and then the other one is make sure that make sure it all matches because what what you really need to marry up is the actual bank statements with whatever software they're using because that could not they could sh they could show a report from wadify that shows this number uh because i've seen i've seen scenarios that you know, whatever system they use is not accurate. It shows this much money coming every month, but you look at the bank statements and that's not accurate at all. It's not even close. Or it says, I have this many members, at which point we could do some quick math, try to figure out roughly what the gross revenue is. And then I look at the gross revenue and it's half of that. So uh, immediately alarms are going off in my head that you like virtually nothing you're going to give me from this point is accurate from a number standpoint, because you think you have 178 members with the gross revenue of $8,000 a month. Yeah. I mean, and that's just where it comes down to, you know, because again, I get that we both get the question a lot. Like I want to buy the gym. What's it worth? It's like, get to get these tax forms, which basically have all the things I mentioned. It has the gross, it has the net, and it should have, you know, what the owner got paid and find yourself a good CPA. If you don't have one, I've got one, email me. I'm happy to refer you to, to I've had, at least three CPAs in my life currently. And I'm happy to refer you to one of three and they've all got a lot of experience here. Or just reach out to John Briggs at Insight Tax because he owns a gym, so. Yeah, or you know, just point is fine. The reason I like my guy is because he's been through this a couple of times, but yeah, so has John Briggs. So 
It doesn't matter. My so guy, my guy will actually get I mad think at you me. You can have the accountant look at that stuff, but then you need to do your due diligence by looking into the actual gym metrics to see what is the what is a what is the good, clear, accurate picture of what is the gym health. Like, do they actually have that many members? What's the check-in rate like? How many people are delinquent? How many people are on contracts or not on contracts? Who has discounts and who doesn't have discounts? You, there needs to like, if you're going to do this right, you're basically asking the other person to take their pants off. I need you to take your pants off and show me everything. Otherwise, this is not going to work. Yeah. And just know, no matter how friendly you are with this person, they're not going to tell you everything. They might not lie to you, but they're also not going to tell you everything. Yeah. Because they want to, if they're trying to sell this gym, they want out. And there's not like this crazy market of people buying CrossFit gyms. The other question to ask, and this is where we kind of leave some of the hard metrics is why do they want out? Yeah. I mean, when I get, that's probably the question I get asked the most, like, why did you sell? And I think that's important. You know, sometimes people are burned out and if they're burned out, you can probably come in. It's, It's rare that if you're buying a CrossFit gym, you're negotiating against other people. Right. It's not like there's this line yeah, of a people. one person deal. Cause most of the time it's, it's based on location. Like right now I'm not going to buy a gym in Florida cause I'm not going to move back to Florida and I don't want to run a gym virtually. So yeah, you need to be able to, you know, think about what, what it's worth and, and figure out why they're selling. And you know, is it burnout? Is it because they have a better opportunity? Sometimes they'll, they just need to move fast. Maybe, maybe they're, significant other got offered a, a really nice job elsewhere and they need to sell. I've seen that scenario where it's like, they just want to get out of it. So there's, I've, there's all I've sorts seen, of reasons. Yeah, I've seen other scenarios where people, these are gym owners who are, who got gyms a little bit later in life and they want to retire and move. And, and they're, they're in that scenario where they basically look at it and they say, we built this thing. I can sell it. I can use the capital that I use that I, that I sell this four and then move and and fast forward my retirement by five years because now I can go buy that property over there and move. Um, yeah, you know, and, but typically I, typically it's like people are burnt out. Like they're just like, I don't want to do this anymore. I'm not making any money. Let me just get out while I can. Yeah. And I, I'll tell the quick reason I sold my first box, you know, Albany CrossFit. It was one of the first box sales really, you know, and I think there was this trend. This was what, 2014. And, you know, there was a trend between then and now where it's really the, the early adopters to CrossFit and the early box owners got a little burnt out, you know. And, and also, I think the difference was when we started, it was like ass backwards for all of us. We're all trainers that are like now business owners. So when I opened my third box, it was like, okay, this is all polished and professional where there's a lot of overcoming your mistakes early on. But you know, I, I went in and I was renting and I asked the owner of the building, which was really a big global gym, can I buy this building? Like I was sick of dealing with the his members. I was sick of dealing with the fact that I didn't control anything outside of the walls of my little space. And he was like, no. And it was probably way more than I can afford anyway. And he was like, but we'd be interested in buying yours. And that was it. You know, so it could be something as simple as that. Now I was, I was a little burned out at the time but that wasn't really why I did it. So there's all sorts of reasons why, you know, people, 
were mad. My members were mad at me, but they're not looking at it from the fact that, hey, this dude wants to buy me out. I'm not even guaranteed to sign another lease here. He doesn't mm-hmm. have to renew my lease. And he's offering me a good amount of money that, like you said, you know, most of us in the fitness world don't have a 401k and don't have a retirement and a pension. So that was it. And I had to take advantage of it. Yeah, and that's timely. And if you can, if you can take advantage of it and do that, that's great. But, and you should. Uh, the other, from a purchaser standpoint, you have to look at that ROI. Like, when am I going to recoup my investment? So if I'm going to put, I don't know, arbitrarily, let's just say 50,000 for the purpose of a gym. How long is it going to take me to get my money back? Is it five years? Is it 10 years? If that business is in the red, we have to do some hard evaluation on what is it going to take to get it in the black? And then how much in the black? Like how long is it going to take me to recoup $50,000 while paying myself? Like unless you have another, unless you have another job, but if you're going to, if you're going to try to turn a business around, while having another job that's tough it can be done and and that's really where that you know most people when they think about buying a business they use uh these multipliers and it's typically two to three times you know and that's kind of the the first thing i typically say is hey this is worth what someone's willing to pay the second thing i'll typically say is it's probably somewhere around two to three times somewhere around the the net profit and what the owner pays themselves. And for what exactly what Fern said, eventually you need to pay yourself. So if you're putting in 10 times what it's worth, it's going to take you, you know, 10 years to get that back. But if you're paying two to three times, you know, now, okay, so you have to work a little bit to recoup, but then also you should be doing things that over that length of time brings up the value of the box. Yeah, while simultaneously having more expenses, right? So typically, True. the unless you're paying it in cash, just straight cash, you're going to have to, whatever their expenses are, you're going to have to tack a loan payment on top of that. Right. So we'll just throw that in there right off the gate. If they were not paying a ton of the coaches and you can't be there full time and now you have to pay people, now I have additional payroll and a loan payment. And then what's the what's the delta between that and then being profitable so that I can you know, cover expenses, not be financially stressed out about this and then, um, and then do that. But what I would tell most people is you should be able to, this is me having messed a lot of things up is there should be six months of expenses buffered in. Yeah, I think that's fair. Operating expense. I I would tell you, this is in addition to however you pay this out, but let's say you buy, let's say their operating expenses is 10,000 a month. There should be 60 grand in the operating account prepared to cover that for six months moving forward. Cause you don't know what's going to happen. You could have a massive, you know, you know, people could just leave cause they're just like, we yeah, don't you like have a, a flood, yeah, massive right? exodus. It, yeah, I could have a flood. You could have a massive, massive, massive exodus of, of membership. And right. now you have to cover rent and all that you stuff act, because you accidentally have sex with one of your members, you know, something like that happens. Yeah. I don't know how you accidentally do that. <laughs> but, so okay. let me, let me ask you this question for you. What would be some red flags? Like what would be some, I really want this. I want to make it happen, but I can't because of X. The, 
just so I understand the question, as a buyer, flags, as the buyer, red flags on my end or red flags on their end? Let's, let's take it as a buyer perspective, because I think most people coming to us are coming to us from the perspective of I want to buy a gym. You know, I, I do have people and I know, I'm sure you have as well that kind of reach out like, hey, I'm selling my gym. What should I do? And that's another that's tough. I mean, we could touch on that really quick because it's tough because you don't want to put it out there. You don't want to tell the world I'm selling my gym because all of a sudden your members freak out. So usually yeah. it's these quiet conversations amongst yes. you and your coaches. If you're the buyer, I think one of the big things is, do I have the capital for this? And then do I have the time? Because it's, it's a significant investment of both. Right? Like well, let's assume, let's assume they're going to do, I mean, most people that are doing this are, are looking to either change careers or they're already in this and they want to go from a head coach to a full-time owner then I think you're probably in a better position than most. Most people that I talk to are neither, right? Like they're a member or a part-time coach who's potentially looking at buying in. Um, and then I would be honest with you, buying in, that's all stop right there. Like you're either going to buy it or, or you're not. You're not going to purchase a percentage of the business because so, the only way you would do that is if that business is massively profitable. And then my question is, why do they want you to buy in if it's massively profitable? Like there's just so many things about that that don't make sense. Yeah, I mean, I, I have heard stories of people doing it more so where it's like they are burned out. They, it is profitable. They don't want to lose that profit. So they want to bring somebody on to keep it growing while they can take a step back. In that scenario, I would encourage that owner to not do that. And, and this goes for anybody selling. I would say take a really deep step back, you know, try to remove yourself from the scenario and say, and this is something I thought about when I was selling is, can I keep it, pay someone very well, you know, probably 60 to 100,000 a year to run this gym and then collect profits? Yes. Right. But going back to what I said before, like it needs, it's massively profitable on that end where this person just still wants to get paid, but doesn't want the day to day, um, the day to day grind of that, which is like, fine. It's like pay somebody who wants to be a gym manager and pay them well. And that way, rather than you collecting whatever, 120 grand, you collect 60 grand, but you collect 60 grand just to be the owner, you know, yeah, and, and not to run the, anything. The challenge with that and, Again, there was a lot more into it for me than that, but the challenge is, can you as the current owner truthfully step away? So that was, so from the buyer standpoint, if you were gonna do a buy-in, there needs to be a incremental buy-out. So if you're gonna buy into the business at 25%, well then, again, because most businesses are not grossing enough to pay two people a full living wage, most. There are some that are doing, uh, and these are one-offs. They're, they're rare at this point. They're, they're getting to be more increasingly more gyms are doing better because of things like two brain and, and stuff like that. But typically most and us and us don't sell and, us short. Um, but typically it's not there. So if you're going to buy a percentage, then you should negotiate a full purchase of the business over three to five years, which is like, Hey, it's going to be 30% now. And I'm going to tack on 25% next year and then 15% and then 10% the following year. So, um, so you have to do an incremental buyout when you do that so that because otherwise you're you still have a boss. So you're the owner, but you're not the boss. Right. Which people don't think about. So how much yeah. control do you have? And, and that's also something to consider. Most people, when they're buying out, it's it's over time and, you know, you're going to get that money over time. And 
typically with a personal guarantee. So all those things have to happen as well, you know, from a, once you get that far into it, you know, but we're currently just on red flags. Is there anything, is there anything, I'm trying to think, you know, what would set me up? Things you have to consider is the lease, right? They, yeah, well, again, like what are the liabilities involved? Like how, and then what does the lease look like year to year? Is it a 3% increase, which is pretty standard? Is it, is it, is it an option to, is it a five-year option, three-year option? Is it up and then you have to move out because now I have to inc and incur a whole ton of cost to pick this thing up and move it and put it somewhere? That's the biggest one to me. I think people overlook. It's like, cool, you, you're buying this gym. It's, it's in, a, in a great location with a, there's two years remaining on the lease. Well, in two years, there's no guarantee that this owner is going to rent it to you again. I've seen places where you know, the, the location wasn't great. And all of a sudden that area developed and now they wanted, you know, 10 times what they were asking. And your gym is really valued at kind of where it sits, because if you move any distance, even a small distance that can impact your membership tremendously. The other thing you have to think about, and I know this, unfortunately too painfully is if you are purchasing that, purchasing that business, you have to look at what that looks like with regard to assuming the lease or is it is it are you now a sub lesser from the previous owner because that that's what created some issues for me so we had we basically had three p or two two entities on that lease which is where the landlord did some shady stuff and then basically had myself and the previous owners wrapped in on that and they ended up just suing me we ended up winning, but it still created a lot of weird tension because what I should have pushed for is just, hey, take them off the lease. And then, and most people don't know how to negotiate hard enough. So if I had I just said, listen, if you don't take them off the lease and just put me on, then this is, this is a done deal and I'll just sign for an additional five years, then they would have just said yes. They want a tenant. So it's just one of those things where like you have to put some hard barriers in place that you're not wrapping in like more liability and more problems into this scenario because it's just going to end up being a headache. Right. So it just ended up causing a lot of tension between myself and who I bought it from because of things that we didn't know. It was just like, okay, I didn't know that. I didn't realize that was what was going on. Even though everything, all the, the line item for the contract read correctly, I still didn't understand. I'm like, Oh, if this goes South, like they're still on the hook as well, you know? So um, yeah, and I think, you know, and this all kind of comes back to one of our earlier statements is do your due diligence. This is probably the biggest purchase you're going to make in your life outside of a home. Yeah, that's probably a fair statement or, or a really ridiculously nice car, but most of, most of the time it's more expensive than that. Yeah. So, I mean, you need to just do that research. It's like, like you have to take your emotion out of it. And it's, it's hard to do on both ends because when I was selling that first gym, like it was my baby, even selling my second and third that I was kind of less attached to. It's like, I think the biggest mistake the sellers make is just this astronomical value of the gym. Yeah. It's not worth that much. The other thing that, because I consulted a lot of people before we purchased the other one. And I, I still to this day, even though I'm going to lose my ass on it because of what the landlord did. I still don't consider that to be a bad decision because I think, I think we did vet it appropriately and, 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 and there's just some things you just can't plan for. And then yeah. happened there. I couldn't plan for it. I could have never known that was going to happen. 
Um, but there's one thing that I, that, that was coming up a couple times from different people. And it was this abstract idea of like you, the culture has to be right. Like the culture, it, like it has to fit and it needs to be right and all that stuff. But nobody really had any advice for how do you evaluate that? Because it's a very abstract thought. So let's, let's begin the, you know, wrap up. Let's cool down this episode, if you will, and talk about that. How do you value the culture of a box? So most people have not spent enough time in the gym, physically in the space with the members in all of the classes to get an actual really clear picture of the culture. So what I would tell anybody is you have to go to every single class on the schedule a minimum of two times prior to purchasing the business. So if they have seven to 10 classes, you need to be in 14 to 20 classes to see everything in there because there's some things you're just not going to pick up on if you're not in every class. If they have dead time during the day, you need to go there and just sit there and see what's going on. Yeah. You basically have to vet the drama of the gym, right? I mean, and, and really if you're buying a gym, chances are you've probably done what Ferdin just said, or you just go to the six o'clock every night. You love it. You see what the community's like from 6 PM to you know 7:30 PM which is such a small snapshot of the day. And then you don't realize, hey, the morning class hates each other. The afternoon class, you know, bangs every, every girl that he can get his hands. Like, you, you, gotta, you gotta really check all that out. And because one drama at the gym can change everything. And you can, and, and you need to have like the good old eye and smell test on things. Like you need to, if, if, if they're saying we have this many members, but then you go to classes and you've been to 14 attended classes, none of which had more than six people in it. That's yeah, a where are these members, right? Where are they? That's a problem, which means the, the second anybody gets, you know, wind of there's ownership change, like there's probably a massive cancellations coming. And now you're in hot water because these are not contracts generally. So I think that is some of, that is one thing that I couldn't wrap my brain around. And, and, and one thing I would have added to the, evaluation process that I went through, which is I would have spent significant amount of time in the facility and just seeing what are the things that I don't like that I'm not going to be able to change because there's certain things you're just not going to be able to change. Like there's other stuff I can, can move this over there. I can build this out. I can change out the coaching staff, but there's nuances in every business that you don't have control over. Like I can't control that while this thing might be in a, we'll make something up. We, it might be in a retail parking or a retail shop, some, something of that nature. But you don't realize until I have a going there two weeks that it's no left in, no left out. So there's a lot of people that don't have access to it where depending on which direction you're coming from, that can be a significant issue or it only has 10 parking spaces. And if you're planning to grow the gym, now there's a really big problem there because now I can't and now I'm running into parking issues with other tenants that don't even facilitate me having 20 people in a class. Like it's not even, it's not even a, a possible. Oh, that was a huge problem at my first gym because it was part of a global gym. And, you know, Mondays, especially, at, you know, at the, at the, at the gym were super busy and parking was a pain in the ass. Like those are little things everyone has to consider. And then, as you're saying that, something that popped into my head is the purchaser really needs to evaluate their role as a member there. 
because you have to take your peers and let, you know, maybe you're a coach already, but even then, you know, the role of a coach is significantly different than the role of the owner. Like they don't typically bitch to you about everything. So you have to see how integral you are as a member or coach at this facility, because all of a sudden you're going to be the big dog. And, you know, again, if you only go to the six o'clock class, the morning people don't know you. They're like, who the hell is this dude that's changing class times? That's switching our programming from comp train to best hour of their day programming, courtesy of Jason Fernandez. Um, So you have to really think about how you fit into this because all it takes is one or two people to be like, I don't like that dude. He took class with me once and he was a dick or, you know, she, whatever. And all of a sudden you get an exodus. Like you said, there's CrossFit gyms everywhere. It doesn't take much for them to go next door. And then probably the last thing I would, I would tell somebody is people, again, because we're passionate. So there, there's like this weird double-edged sword of being a CrossFitter. Typically, most of us are, are, are intimately involved or super passionate because it's had some profound effect on our life, which in turn causes us to be morons when it comes to making decisions with regard to that thing. So think about all the number of people who are at a gym that they hate and, they, and, and because they're like, well, this is where I started even though it's trauma and the owner's a dick and all these things. And there's a gym 400 meters away. And I'm like, just go try that gym. Like it doesn't matter, but they're just like, no, but this is where I started. I'm like, this is irrational. So people will do the same thing about purchasing is purchasing a gym because, and I'm guilty of this as anybody only looking at the upside. You're like, well, this could be great. And I'm like, yeah, it could also fucking blow up in your face. So and, and, and that's what that, I mean. right? so look at the downside way harder and be, be like, can you, can you, you really stomach the downside? Like, could you, could you, would you be okay with that? And if the answer is yes, ask yourself again, sit on it for a month and then ask yourself again. Yeah. And, and look, if you, if you're really gung ho about buying this gym, listen to the episode, everything we've said, and then just take that step back and think to yourself, could I just open my own? I think that's one of the biggest, you know, considerations you have to take. Could I just open my own, start fresh, lay out the gym how I want, choose the colors I want, choose the logo I want, you know, the programming I want, all of that, without the headache of, you know, dealing with the changes that are going to be associated with it. And chances are you can, you know, here's a little bit of quick advice, and it's certainly going to be a little more detailed than this. But get yourself a 0% credit card, right? You can get a 0% credit card for, what, 18 months, two years even, potentially with $25,000 on it. You know, pay for some stuff on there. Do your equipment through Rogue and get a lease. I think they lease it. Not necessarily lease it, but they do a loan through Rogue. So you can have a credit card, your loan through Rogue, and, you know, and then hopefully you have a, a little bit of money saved. But you can really get your gym going for probably fifty to 60000 and most of that you know, not immediately out of pocket. Yeah. You just have to have a, a plan and sit down with somebody about how are we going to fill this thing up? Because the, 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 the good old days of if we build it, they will come are gone. That's, that's a really awful, ridiculous plan. So don't do that. Um, and there's, and there's people that can help you with that kind of stuff as far as like a launch uh, and things like that. So, you know, it, it just like most people are just irrational that, that, that I've talked to 
about it and they're just like well i just it's really good i love it i'm like you've only been to one class ever in three years like one time slot like what is the rest of the gym like what is it what are the guts of the of the business look like pop the hood on that thing and and really really evaluate it because it's might not be that great or it might be killer you know if if the number is massive that means the business can probably support paying for, for the buy-off itself but that's ideal right it's so profitable that the business just pays for the buyout of the owner yeah that's what you want i mean and and, and we can end this episode here but you know the I would, I would there are other things we haven't mentioned like hey are you a good enough coach to even you know if if you're buying out the owner who's potentially a level three or a level four coach and and you're new, all of a sudden the quality of the coaching may go down. I mean, so many things we need to consider. I hope, I hope this was at least educational because chances are, if you're listening, you know, you love our podcast or we sent you here because you've emailed or text us or called us. So hopefully we've answered your questions. And if we haven't, of course, best hour of their day at gmail.com. You can, you can email us more questions, or maybe if you want us to do a part two to this episode, we can dive into some other nuances, but yeah, if you have questions, just DM us with the questions because this is a this is a pretty in depth topic. But the the big concept here is is pump the brakes. Like it, this should be something that's very very well vetted, that's thought out. Because even if you're thinking it out, you can still make poor decisions. Like you can still convince yourself that that red flags are not red flags, and you need somebody who's going to say that's stupid. Don't do that. Speaking of that, do that but better. Is our new shirt available? Do you want it to be available? It's ready, but it's not out to the public. Why is it not out to the public? I was trying to, I was trying to, I was trying to wait and just, you know. Oh, we're gonna launch it. All right, we'll get ready, guys. <clears throat> we'll launch it. So when, so when this, when this goes up, we'll release the shirt. Well, that's tomorrow. So tomorrow or today, if you're listening to it. Today, if you're listening. Or many weeks ago, if you're finding this episode. <laughs> yeah, if you're finding this later on. It's, it's a long time ago. And so here's what's going to happen. So we're launching just a new shirt. And the first 50 are going to be a giveaway. So 50 oh, really? People are, yeah, yeah. So 50 people are going to get a free shirt, um, which means they're going to last for... I was going to make a joke about your sex life, but... <laughs> It'd be true. It wouldn't be a joke. I'll hold it's, off. Yeah. It's it's not the, funny because shirts, it's true. Those shirts will those shirts will be available for as long as Jay lasts in bed. So not very long. Okay. Point is, act fast. <laughs> act fast. My somebody um somebody go. Let me. We were at a level two a couple of weeks ago. I was working with Cherie and Becky Harsh at CrossFit Roots, and I taught the um the now day one workout, which is a heavy day. You know, and then after after the class, Cherie. Hey, what are some things you like? You know, we kind of do this at every level too. What'd you notice about Jay's coaching? This and that. And one of the guys raises his hand and said something like, he was short and effective. And I was, <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, you know, of course everyone's laughing at the fact that he called me short. But then I followed that up with, that's my sex life. <laughs> and the whole place erupted in laughter because I'm hysterical. Oh. But anyway... Last time we launched a shirt, it literally went in like a minute. And yeah, then I was dealing with all the DMs of, can I get one? So like Fern said, Fern's hooked this all up. He's very good friends with you Matt can, at Forever you, Fierce. You can, you'll be able to purchase one, but the first 50 is a giveaway. A yeah, and that's a shout out to what, Forever Fierce? Yeah, Forever Fierce. They, they're helping us out and they want to 
Um, and, and they're good guys. So a, if you're an affiliate owner, talk to Matt. Um, and then whiteboard daily had a post about those guys as well, because of some stuff from uh, one of the clips from dropping in. So, um, if you want to look at box t-shirts or coaches gear, go ahead and hit Matt up, but forever fierce is, is we're going to give away 50 shirts, uh, best hour of their day, do that, but better. And uh, after that you can purchase them. So, um, yeah. How do they get these shirts? Uh, through the internet. <laughs> That's a very broad statement. <laughs> through the internet. Where do they go to get these shirts? Do we know yet? There will be a link. Yeah, there will be, be a link. link. Somewhere. Okay. When Ferd says that, he's saying, Jay, you'll put a link somewhere. So yeah, Jay, we'll, you'll do, you'll fulfill your half of this partnership, which is to do something before 9.30 a.m. your time. 9.30, yeah. Fern thinks I sleep in because he's, you know, two hours ahead now. If, if Before look, we hit record, this dude was just like, listen, I got up at 9.30. It was an early start, <laughs> at which point for, for a halfway productive human being, that's halfway through the day. So, If you know anything about Burning Man also, please tell us. Fern's considering going, and I want to know more about it before I commit to going to Burning Man. I feel like he's trying to set up some sort of weird menage a trois thing with me and his and his wife jess no my wife's not into short guys <laughs> short and effective short. <laughs> anyway single dad fern right now is killing it by the way it's killing something i haven't i mean like i don't know if i'm killing parenthood but my my kids are killing me <clears throat> if you don't regularly check out fern's instagram you are missing out and if you are thinking about having kids it's great to show your significant other reasons not to have children if you just look at fern's Instagram. Your kids, I don't know if it's your kids or your spin on what they're doing that makes me laugh, but nevertheless, nevertheless, it makes me laugh. Well, I have to make, I have to make myself laugh. Otherwise, I feel like Logan can have a TV show. She's weird enough. I don't know if people would find it amusing, but it's comical. I think you and Logan, and I'm sure Jess adds to the dynamic of humor because Jess has a very similar sense of humor as you. But I think it'd be very funny to have, a, you know, meet the ferns. It, it wouldn't be really that exciting, to be honest with you. Most people would be like, these are just some normal people. <laughs> All right. Speaking of normal people, let's let everybody go. They've got busy lives. Get your free T-shirt. And if not, you know, find it on the Internet. And then hope this episode, <laughs> I hope this episode helped. Yeah. And if you have questions that you want us to cover, in more depth, just hit us up in the DM or, or email us about um, box ownership or buying a box. Thanks again for listening to Best Hour of Their Day. Just a reminder, Fern and I have an amazing new show called Dropping In, premiering on our YouTube channel in early 2020. Be sure to head over to the Best Hour of Their Day YouTube channel now. Subscribe so you don't miss any of the episodes you've probably Heard us talking about it, summarizing some of our trip. You can see some highlights up on our Instagram as well, at best hour of their day. But I promise you, you're not going to want to miss out. So subscribe now. Thanks for everything you do. Thanks for letting us be a part of your lives. Hope you have a great rest of your day. Tune in tomorrow for another episode of Best Hour of Their Day.